On page Yud Tes, in the middle of the page, where it says, Lo Dai Lulamidis Anar. In the introduction, the Rebbe is <coughs> addressing the parents and the teachers of the new generation. And he's discussing the unique problems, the unique differences in the new generation of Jews that's being raised and the and the outlook that the parents and the rebellion must have the first thing of course is not to is is not to ignore the blame that they have in 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 many of the things that are going wrong with the new generation and then to understand the nature of the of the young generation of the new generation and the difference between modern times and earlier times which is primarily revolving around the the premature the premature maturation or the young people think that they're mature think that they are prepared for life much earlier than they ever used to be and, and therefore all the difficulties and differences and, and, and um, struggles of, of the new generation um, have to be understood in this light and we have to address these things and therefore the Rebbe was talking about the last thing we did was the Rebbe was saying that that we have to <clears throat> it's impossible to educate the new generation without without trying to without trying to incline ourselves towards the young people and understand in order to understand how they're different and what their needs are and how and and to try to adapt our ways in order to accommodate the unique personality and lifestyle of the new generation let's continue so the Rebbe says it's not enough to teach it's not enough to teach the child it's not enough to teach the child that you have to listen to the parents and you have to listen to his rabbi. He has to listen to his rabbi. That's not enough. This, will, this alone will not will not be effective. Because as we learned before, he will ultimately see his parent and see his rabbi as somebody who was a tyrant. Someone who was trying to force his views upon upon the child, somebody who's trying to control his life. Because remember, the child now feels a certain sense of independence. He feels a sense of, of empowerment that the young people never felt in the past. And just to tell the kid, be quiet and listen, this is the way it's going to be, this is how you have to do it. So ultimately, that might work in the beginning, when he's very little, but ultimately the, ultimately the children begin to see the parents and begin to see the rebellion as as foreign rulers, they they hear everything that they're saying is completely irrelevant. I don't know what you're talking about. Your expectations and your demands have nothing to do with my personality, with who I am. He says nowadays the only way to be successful as a parent and as a rabbi is by <clears throat> by having the child realize that really Hanar Ba'atzmo, that the child himself, Hu he is the main Mechanach. The child must feel that he's mostly responsible for his own upbringing, for his own Chinach, 
And he has to know that he is not just a little kid, a dumb little kid. He is a sapling that's planted by Hashem, a precious sapling planted, planted by Hashem in, in Klai Yisrael. And Hashem has given him, the child, the responsibility to nurture this sapling, to raise it. To make him to a great tree of life, himself. To make himself, to mold himself into a servant of Hashem, a great tzaddik and somebody who is great in Torah. In other words, where in the past, a child, a child until he was until he was well into in, into the years of he was prepared to get married and so on, a child saw himself as primarily a golem, unformed and undeveloped, unripened, and it's up to my rabbi, it's up to my parents to do that, and therefore the child was completely open to the ideas of the rabbi of the, of the parents. He allowed himself to be shaped, to be formed by their beliefs, by their teachings. It didn't have to, it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be explained. This is why, and this is why. So this is. They trusted the parents. They trusted the teachers that we ourselves are not in a position. We are not mature enough to make these kind of decisions on our own. And we trust our parents. We trust our teachers, and we're going to live this way. And then when they're older, they would start to work things out. But the Rebbe says that nowadays you can't do that. Since the kids, when they're already, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, the kid feels already that he's a, a Gavarabba. He looks at himself as being somebody that's independent, somebody that has to make his own decisions. Therefore, the Rebbe says that now, the Ikra Chinech, the main part of Chinech now is to, is to help the child realize that he is responsible for his own greatness in, in, his, own, in his own Yiddishkeit. That you'll help. But he's his main mechanic. The cave in Shadaita Viruch Oktanibitara Harbe Odlay Lamad, since the child Sofkalsov is a child, and therefore he doesn't he doesn't understand much, and he hasn't learned much, the Yitzhar Marakit Bikirbo, but he has a little Yitzhahara that's already dancing around inside of him. Lachain Impachad Hashem the Negadain of Vyarihushalayachtan. If he has some fear of Hashem, and as a result of that, he is afraid to sin against Hashem, then certainly he must he must follow, he must obey the Torah of Hashem, and he must listen to the teachings of his Rebbe and his parents. Whether there are, there are things that are clearly spelled out in, in the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch, there things that are not clearly spelled out. Kama is here, the next page. Kama is here, In other words, it's not you have to listen to me because I'm your father. You have to listen to me because I'm your Rabbi. It's that the child himself, despite... Is, it, despite how young he is in years, the child himself has to be taught to understand that he has to be taught to understand that the Torah itself, Hakadosh Baruch Hu himself, has instructed him 
to listen to the father, to listen to his rabbi. As it says, ask your father and he will tell you. Not to go away from the teachings of the sages. Listen to my son, to the teachings of the father, to the rebuke of the father. And he has to be taught that this is the Ratzon Hashem. He has to understand himself this is the Ratzon Hashem. Not just do this and do that. He has to understand himself, the Ratzon of Hashem. And that the Torah has revealed that, that a Ben Sarah Moira, that, that, that the rebellious son in Parashat Kisayitzai, it's not that he's guilty of any specific sin. He has to understand on his own the danger of ignoring his parents, the danger of, uh, of ignoring his, his teachers. That the whole sin of the Ben Soramora is that is not that he's not that there's a specific affair, but that he is what he's rebellious. He's not he's not called a Ben Zolul Vesoyve that he's overeating or indulging. He's rebellious. Because he rebels against his father and against his teachers. And, he, and the Rebbe and the teacher and the parents have to <coughs> go over this and review this time after time that the child should understand this. That he should really understand that this is the Ratzon Hashem. He should understand himself the awesome responsibility of raising a Jew. Eitz began Hashem be'eden. Now, obviously, if a parent himself doesn't live this kind of a life, he's not going to impart it to his child, and this is this is a main this is the main problem. If the father or mother themselves are, are rebelling, are rebelling, so then what do you expect? What do you expect of the child? V'hu ha'av v'hamalamed hu rakamoyra sheyireyu. And what the parents and the teachers have to show the child is, look, this is a responsibility that you have between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And you're, you're, you're not a baby. The, the Torah instructs you to live this way. My job as your parent, my job as your Rebbe, is Asher Yorehu, just to guide you somewhat. How you should raise yourself. And to inform you about the Dvar Hashem. Not, not that I'm telling you do this and do that. I'm just going to help you understand what Hashem is telling you. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to say to you. But the main responsibility of Chinuch lies on yourself. To be Mechanich yourself. Like somebody who's coming to ask a Shailah in Halacha. That's the job of the parent, that's the job of the Rebbe. That the child, as if the child is coming to ask a shiloh, this, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. Not that I'm telling you, because I'm telling you, you have to do this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just answering your shilohs. <speaking in Hebrew> that the job of the, of the dying is just to say, this is kosher, that's not kosher. <speaking in Hebrew> but how the person lives is up to the balabais' own house. The Rav doesn't come, the Dayan from the basin doesn't come to your house to tell you, don't eat that. Don't eat that. That's up to you. 
I had a friend of mine that, that we went to we went to yeshiva together. We got smicha together. Except he was only he was only a rabbi. He wanted to be a rav. I only wanted to be in chinuch. So he got some job someplace in some shtetl in Canada. I don't mean Montreal or Toronto. Someplace much colder, worse. So there, but there were a couple of Jews there. So uh, he was all excited. He got the shtetl. So he wasn't much of a of a Lamdan or Talmud Chacham, but he uh, but a very nice guy. So he told me, so he, he he his whole career lasted maybe six months, then he quit. So I asked him what happened to you. So he said that he that that there was a a, a woman who came to him um, in shul on Yontiv and said and said, uh, Rabbi, I forgot to make an erev tavshilin. Uh, am I allowed? Am I allowed to, to, to? Am I allowed to eat my, my chicken? I didn't make an erev shilin. So as I told you, he's not much of a tamachacham. So he said, no. The truth is that she could have relied upon his erev shilin. Right? Okay, but that's that's a separate issue. That's why I told I gave him a mishabach for that anyway. But then, but then he said, no. You can't have, You can't eat the chicken. You didn't make an erev shilin. So she came back the next day and she said, Rabbi, I ate the chicken. <laughs> I want you to know. In other words, I don't care about what you told me. I ate the chicken. I'm guessing the chicken. <laughs> yeah, like you know. I just want you to know that I don't care about. It. So, like he says, like why do you ask me? No, I'm just interested to know. But I ate the chicken anyway. So, so you know, the problem is that the the rav or the dayan he could only tell you when you ask him. He could say yes. You ask him a shyly. He says, well, this is the proper way. But then it's up to the Balabais to live that way. So, so as far as Chinuch is concerned, it's not anymore, this is what you have to do because I'm telling you to do this and that I have the main responsibility for what kind of a Jew you are. That's not going to work nowadays. It's that the child has to understand that, he's, that, that all the parent can do is to provide the information and, of course, the warmth and the guidance. But the, but the essential requirement for the Chinuch and, and how you live and what you're going to do, you tell the kid... Listen, my friend, that's up to you. That's your decision. That's your decision. You're going to have to make those choices. Ultimately, the Balabais is going to have to decide whether or not he's going to eat the chicken. He's not going to eat the chicken. The Rebbe can only say the chicken is kosher, the chicken is treif. A Rebbe can say, a Rebbe can say listen, uh, this, this television program is treif. The Rebbe can say that this lifestyle is treif. But whether or not whether or not the child is actually going to make the decision to live that to go to that show <clears throat> or to live that lifestyle, that's not anything that nowadays we can control. That's up to the child. It's scary. It's scary because the children are, uh, the children are making very very big decisions. When a parent is a tremendous balseichel, there's a way to cut down on the on the on the um, on the percentages a little bit to make things a little bit better, easier. But for the most part, it's going to be up to the child, and the child has to know that. He has to feel that. And we have a great deal. We have a great deal to gain when we when we do this. There's a great deal to gain. 
And everybody knows how a child feels. I was just talking to one of the Haverim yesterday. Everybody knows how a child feels when you give him something and he feels that, and you give him the responsibility to take care of this. Even if it's a, even if it's something in the house, where if you tell the kid do this, do this, do the, do that, and the, and the child feels that he has no shaykes to it, even if it's a simple physical chore, he doesn't want to do it. But if you tell the child, listen. I'm putting you in charge of this. This is your responsibility, and you're in charge. You know, you have a little baby brother or sister. You know, this is your job, and you take care of it. And it's a chash of a thing. And if you dress it the right way, and the kid feels that he has an achrayis, but it's his achrayis, so then the child feels that it's no longer just some dictator telling him what to do, but that he has it's relevant to his life, and that he and he feels he feels important. That he, the same the same sure that if you would give if you would give it to him in a different way, he would feel he would feel that he's being manipulated. He feel he would feel that he's being controlled. But when you give it to him in the in the in the way where where he understands that this is something which is his achrayis, and that you respect him as a chosh of a person, he has this achrayis. So then, not only is it possible that he'll do this, that he'll take care of, of that, but it, but he'll feel a, a sense of pride. He'll feel a sense of pride, and he'll feel that a connection to that to that short to that task, and it won't be that some somebody else's will is being imposed upon him, but that he himself wants to do this. He himself feels a pride because it's his. He feels a connection to it. It's his. So certainly, how much more so when it comes to his entire life and his entire Yiddishkeit, that the child has to feel that it's his. It's his Yiddishkeit. Yeah. Is, is this is this approach a bit it's, it's sounding like it's maybe uh, better than Lachat Nowadays, it's Lachat Chila. But certainly in the bigger scheme of, of how things have gone, it's a B'deavid. The Lachat Chila is that a child is not in a position to take such responsibility into his own hands because the child doesn't understand and the child's immature. And therefore, the way that it generally went was that there was a tremendous amount of trust and innocence and simplicity in the children, as brilliant as they were, there was trust, simplicity, and innocence, and they would, and they were just, they were just being macabre. They were just receiving, Moshe Kibel Tarimisinim, Masarli Yeshua, and so on. They received from the older generation, and then it would be processed when they would be twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, and throughout one's life to forge one's own, one's own path. That's the chachila. But the Rebbe is saying that forget about it. Forget about that now. It's a very dangerous path now. Instead, now. So historically, this is what we're in now is a B'deavid. But the L'Chadchila now is this. Would it have been, would it have worked in the past? So it, it, perhaps it would have worked, but it's, it certainly is a, it's a dangerous path because a child is not really mature enough like we were talking about last week. You see, you, see, you know, the, the, the sense of independence that the children have. You have conversations with 12, 13, 14-year-old kids that think that they know everything. They think that the, this was not the way it was years ago. And But but we can't ignore that. What the Rebbe is saying is we can't make believe that this is not the case. We we must we must accept that this is the these are the new conditions of our of life and of the of the new generation. And therefore we have to we have to educate them according to their way. But it's not historically. This is not a lecharchila. This is not a lecharchila. But we stand to gain a great deal. We stand to we stand to gain a great deal. Rashi's to begin with. Kashi is When the child grows up with this way of looking at things, he will not 
see his Rebbe and his parents as foreign tyrants who are trying to rule over his life. Because it's his own life that he's making and he's making his own decisions. He's in, he's in control, basically. And the Rebbe is going to teach us throughout the Sefer how to, how to use this approach. And therefore he has his own anochius, his own sense of ego and self. He has to rule over himself. He has to educate himself. And if anything, he has to appreciate his parents and his teachers. He has to appreciate and be grateful that they're guiding him and they're helping him. And they're making his own avoid easier. Not that they're, that they're telling him, this is how you have to live. But that we are here to help make your own avoid easier. To facilitate your own growth. That's what we're here for. We're here as people to help you, not to make you. We're here to help you. It's up to you, but we'll do whatever we can to guide you. This is the information. We'll try to send you to the best yeshivas. We'll try to give you the best rebellion that we can possibly find and afford. We'll do the best we can for you. But it's up to you. Also will gain this. That even those young people who are not yet, who are not so distant from us, who have not become our enemies, meaning our, meaning the older generation, just that they're, neg- they're, they're negligent when it comes to Avodah Hashem. Avodah Hashem is aslus because of laziness. They're not, they're not rebellious necessarily. They're just very lazy. They're, they're lazy. Negligent. They too will be mischazek. They too will be strengthened to begin working harder. As I told you, even when it comes to, even when it comes to physical work in a family and a child, and a child doing his share. That even the laziest kid, when he feels that somehow it's when he feels that somehow this chore is being traced back to him, and that it reflects upon him, and that it's his room or it's his life, and it's his decision. So that sense of self is very strong. The sense of ego is extremely strong, and therefore it can strengthen even such a child who's lazy. Because there's a cloud, there's a rule in the Gemara. A pot that is owned by partners will get neither hot or cold. Right? A pot that is owned by partners will not get hot and won't get cold. What does that mean? It's a it's a, a chok, it's a rule in human life. That when somebody feels that he has upon whom to rely, someone else is cooking, someone else is taking care of the pot. It's, it has shudfim, it's not, it's not me. So someone else is taking care of the pot, someone else is taking care of this food. So therefore, I don't have to worry about it. It's not my. It's not my achrayis. I mean, I share the achrayis with somebody, but it's not my achrayis. Ultimately, it's not my responsibility. Therefore, he's lazy. 
This laziness, this negligence comes from the from the fact that the child feels that his his parents, his rebellion, and so on, that they're responsible, they take care of everything. It's up to them. And that's why as I spoke to you, I mean, we discussed this last week. That I, I always say this, I say this to my wife, that when my wife, when, that when she, when, when she's around, I don't know if any of you have this a similar situation, but I know that my wife is around, so since she's so good-natured, and, and she'll, you know, and she's constantly uh, bending down to clean up after them, and to pick up their mess, and to do this and to do that, so... The, the 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 type of 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 mess is 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 unbelievably greater when she is around, and she has to work like ten times harder. But when when it, when I'm when when on those few occasions when I when I'm there, so I just tell the from the beginning I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm telling you right now you bet that's you better you better you're not going to sleep like that. So I'm not like my wife. My wife is, yes, yeah, Shayfel. It's okay. And, 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 and she lets them play, and she's busy taking care of their things and cleaning up. Man, it's amazing. They can do it. I see that they can do it. They just don't feel that they have that right to do it because mommy's my slave. Yeah, I have. Why should I work if I have a shifcha? <laughs> I have my own personal shifcha. She's nice. She smiles. I don't have to pay her anything. It's a shifcha. The children look at, like, look at their mother like a shifcha. But they're too afraid of their father. To look at him like an like an Evid Kanani, you understand? So they so they know he means business. So then so then the kid has a sense of achrayis. It's my responsibility. If not, I'm going to be in trouble. If not, it's not going to get done. You know how many times I have, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll talk to the kid about like you know what's going on with your room. So like the kid will say something not in these words, but do you think I enjoy living this way? <laughs> like you know, you think I like? I don't. I'm not happy. Li- I don't like a mess. I like to have a nice clean room. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then my approach is so then clean it. But the kid understands that when mommy's there, he can get away with it. You know, there's a way. There's a way to work it out. In other words, if I don't, mommy's not going to yell. Mommy's not going to get upset. She'll just do it. And Mimela, so you understand, he looks at his room that he has shutzum in his room. He's he's part of a corporation. This is not my room. It's not my room. This I have shutzum over here. So Shutzim, the room is a mess. It's a cloud. And how much more so when it comes to spiritual matters? What do I have to worry about? It's, 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 this is not my Indian. It'll get done. It'll get done. I'll, I'll end up to be. I'll end up to be a, a religious Jew somehow. My, my my teachers and my parents will take care of that. And, it's, and what's really scary is when the parents are relying on the teachers and the teachers are relying upon the parents. So you have, like, there are a lot of shudfim. The only one who feels that he has no, has no chalikin is the kid himself. <laughs> you guys work this out. You guys work this out. You know, so, like a kid feels, if he turns out to be, if he, God forbid, if he turns out to be Mechal Shabbos, if he turns out to be Mechal Shabbos, so his way of looking at things, like he looks at the parents, he looks at the teachers, and he feels, he feels like, you know, you guys just didn't make it. <laughs> you guys, uh, I don't know what happened over here. I really feel bad. You guys just didn't work this out. Look at me. I'm a Michal Shabbos. <laughs> didn't work out. When, not that the child himself doesn't feel that he's failed. Why? Because uh, mommy and daddy and the Rebbe were supposed to clean up the, the mess. They're supposed to clean up the mess. Not, not, 
Therefore, if the kid the kid runs off and he's 15 to go to find some some disgusting movie or some club, so it's just my parents. Whatever, it's not, it's not, it's not me. <coughs> I'm not a balachrayis over my Yiddishkeit. My parents have an achrayis over my Yiddishkeit, not me. My Yerushalmi is not up to me. My Yerushalmi is up to my parents. <coughs> Very often, when the kid grows up, he grows older, and he begins to realize that it's his responsibility. Then he looks at his parents' Yiddishkeit and he feels disgusted. He feels disgusted with the Yiddishkeit that his parents gave him. And that's a very, very uncomfortable situation to be in. Hashem should save us from that. When the kid grows up and looks at his parents, looks back. When they're little, they're not going to say anything. Uh, the kid's not going to have any tiniest. Like, you know, why do you, why do you sit me in front of this stupid machine to, to defile my entire, my, my entire neshama? Why did you put me in front of this machine? Like, what, do you think the kid's going to have a tiny? The, kid's, the only tiny is that they, there aren't enough channels. He doesn't have any tinnies, but when, if the kid somehow, Bez Hashem, somehow miraculously turns out to be a Yerushalmi despite the machine, so the kid turns out to be a Yerushalmi, then he's going to look back and say, "I don't understand you. How did you, how did you make such a decision to just say you should have a little peace and quiet in the house? That you put me in front of such a in front in, in front of such a monster? How do you like? How do you do such a thing?" And the kid has tinnies. He takes those tinnies with him until he's 120. Tinnies. Not when he's little. It's great. Just like the kid who doesn't have to clean up his room. No, I, I have, my mom, she's great. My mom, she's great. Maybe like he live in, you know, subcontract, sublease her out to, to his friends. Because my mom, anything I do, my mom's great. She'll clean up after me. But then afterwards, he goes up and he has a taina. I can't believe my mother let me live that way. I can't believe that I had such a, you know, that I had a, like a, you know, I lived in such a mess. Then he has tainas. Not when he's a kid. When he's a kid, it's terrific. Like, you know, mom. So... An intelligent parent makes a cheshben. Makes a cheshben now. What's going to be 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now? With the child's Yiddishkeit. But this is the problem, the Rebbe says. If the child grows up feeling that his U.S. Shemaim depends upon the parent. Depends upon the parent. Now, a child has to know that his U.S. Shemaim, what kind of a Jew he is, is his responsibility. And the parents will try to give him the best conditions to make that as easy as possible. And what about the kids that come back 20 years later and they say, how come you put me in a yeshiva where, where, I, where even when I was 16 years old I couldn't read Rashi? How come you put me in such a yeshiva? Why'd you put me into yeshiva where, where, where the other kids in the class, half the kids in the class were smoking and drinking and running around? How come you put me into such a place? You know what kind of, you know what kind of <coughs> temptations and difficulties I've gone through because you made a decision to stick me into such a yeshiva? Where half the place is going nuts? Do you know, do you know the kind of difficulties you've put me through? These are tinnies. You have to be, you have to be an, an absolute fool to ignore them, unless you, unless you agree with that lifestyle of that, that those other kids are leading in this school. Or you delude yourself into thinking that, that if, if 30, 40, 50% of the class is up to all kinds of mischief, that my, my, my kids are going to be just fine. I mean, you have, you, have to be a, you have to be deranged to think that. In every school you're going to have, in every class, there are going to be some, there are going to be some kids that are, you know, that, are, that are difficult in every class. But the question is, what's the, what's the overall atmosphere of the school? Is there a feeling of growth in this place? <coughs> is, there, is there a feeling of... of is there a feeling that Torah is something which which is which is, Torah is something which is the greatest priority, the most important thing in one's life, or is Torah just like a joke? And and that's something that that when you make a decision, that's something that the child that's a decision that the child can't make. You're making for the child. 
Either it's going to be, either it's going to save him or it's going to destroy him. And nobody's off the hook till 120. You're not off the hook till 120. If you put your kid in a certain environment, and as a result of him being in that environment, you consciously made that decision. As a result of that, he was put through unbelievable tests, and he became, God forbid, involved in the wrong things. You could talk it into yourself, but till you're 120, it's your achrayis that your child was put into such a place because that was your decision. When you when you put your child in front of an internet, in front of a television, you can make all the stories up that you like. I sent him afterwards. To, look, I sent him to Shalavim. I sent him to Kambiavna. I tried to send him to all these nice places. <clears throat> but you were the one that you were the one that that molded the child and gave him that mahalach in life, and therefore he had to deal with things that. He had to deal with things that, that, that a child in another kind of a home would not have to contend with. And his failures are on your head, on the parents' head. His failures are on the parents' head. Not just when he, not to you think, what's the big deal? You think that a, you think that a child, you think that a child that's, that, that sits and watches television and sees the most disgusting things and looks on the internet and sees disgusting things, you think that just when he turns it off, that now, now he's finished? And even if he gets more religious... Even if he gets more religion, he goes to yeshiva, and he does come back from a good year, let's say, in yeshiva. And he's got his titus out, and he's talking about, you know, making you see him. You think that he's forgotten the, the images that he saw on the television, on the internet, when he was 15, 16, 17, 18? Why, did you forget them? Have any of us forgotten them? Are we, are we, are we fooling ourselves? So we, we're the ones that are putting them in that situation. That they have to struggle their entire lives with certain types and yet the that a Jew shouldn't have to deal with. Nowadays, I have to deal with it even if you don't have it in the house. But like, why did you bring? Why did you bring it into your own home? These are questions that till we're 120 and after 120, we're going to be asked. But what the Rebbe is saying is that the kolapachis, the kolapachis, if the child feels that he has nachrayis of his yiddishkeit, he has to take charge of his own neshama. It's not just what mommy and daddy give me. But he has to take charge of his nisham. And our generation, we see, we see a lot of the guys, a lot of the girls are doing that. They're taking over their own nishamas. They're taking back their nishamas. So that's something that ultimately can work on, uh, on the child's behalf. That's what the Rebbe is saying. On top over there. When the child understands that it's his responsibility, that he has to guide himself and he has to educate himself, he'll clean up his mess. He'll take care of his life. Not yet. This is not enough. Even if we're able to penetrate into the essence of the personality of the child, to the point where we have we have shown him that it's, his, it's that ultimately he has a Christ over himself. And what? And bedas atzmo, and he has to make a decision. And he has to himself want what lishazek to strengthen himself. It's not enough just that he understands this intellectually. That what that, that he and that he understands with his seichel that to be a Jew is the right thing. His emotions, his paliyosav. 
his enthusiasm, his excitement. What causes him to become his slave, to be inflamed, to be excited. Nowadays we, we spoke about this, that nowadays it's not just a matter of what the child knows, what the child understands. Emotions, desires, excitement, and so on, all of these feelings... Our miskadmas, Lord says, are nowadays beginning to emerge in a child the need for excitement, <coughs> the need for a thrill. All of these emotions, these needs, are beginning nowadays to, to emerge in a child much earlier than it used to be, much earlier than, than, than in the past. That's why, as we spoke about the last few weeks, nowadays you'll have like some 14-year-old, some 14-year-old kid walking around wishing that he had a girlfriend, because he wants to, he wants to know what it's like to be in love. Could you imagine any of our great-grandparents going over to him when he was 14 years old? You know, could you imagine? Talking about it, it's, it's like it, it, if the wasn't part of. It, it wasn't part of the, the. Even when they were married, they, they didn't. They, they didn't think they may. If it happened, that's not. That's that's like a, that's that's nice. But as far as this, as far as having certain emotions and certain, and certain, um, and certain feelings and 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 being in t- nowadays. What do you mean? You think you think that a hundred years ago, like the question of a child would be, you know, how do you feel about this? It's not how do you feel about this. You just do this. How you feel about it? What do you mean? How do, you ask a, you can ask a, a 12-year-old, how do you feel about it? What do you mean, how does he feel? Who cares how he feels? He's a little dummy. He's a little, he's a little nobody. What do I mean by that? I don't mean to put him down. He's a, he's a holy nashom. He's a Jew. He's a Jewish child. He doesn't know what right from wrong. But a 12-year-old knows what's right from wrong. A 15-year-old knows. An 18-year-old knows what's right from wrong. He knows what his friends do, like we spoke of his friends. Say it's right, and it's right. That's all what's, what's right. He knows what's right. He learned enough Torah to make these decisions. He understands the Ratzon Hashem, but he doesn't understand anything. And yet, emotionally, he wants to have a girlfriend. 14-year-old kid wants to have a girlfriend. In the, in the modern schools, in the, in the co-ed schools... They're hunting from before Bar Mitzvah. They're already, going, they're already hunting. And they already talk. That's what they talk about all the time. All the time, that's what they're talking about. Little sprints, a little yankala. Shaduchim are being made every minute. Every minute. If we could put a, if we could put a little loudspeaker in these places, in the co-ed schools, the co-ed camps, oh, oh. You put a little, I mean, they try not to keep the co-ed camps a little separate. So they try to make like a moat in between. You know, but if you could put, if you could put, if you could put a little, a little like a speaker, and to listen to the children's conversations, you know, you'd hear the same conversations we had. What do you think they're talking about? That's what they're, that's what they're talking about. That's what they're thinking about. They're talking about emotional things, about about em- emotions that a, a fourteen, fifteen-year-old has no business even thinking about. Bechlal not. Bechlal not. They know what it means to love someone and what it means to have an achrayis for another person. This is what's on their minds. And 
and the Rebbe didn't know about television. Didn't know about this. This before Milton Berle. He didn't. He didn't know, and the rest of those guys. He didn't. He didn't know about television. He wasn't. He wasn't. Nowadays, see, nowadays a kid sits in front of television and he's watching. He's watching adults in mature situations talking about with late sonnets with late sonnets about <coughs> about matters that a child has no business dealing with. Bechlal not. Emotionally. I'm not talking about religiously that it's disgusting. I'm saying emotionally. He has the kalim. He has the kalim. You know, to, to watch, even, even if it's not a disgusting thing, but some like intense, super intense, like love story. So he's watching some movie. Some 15-year-old kid is watching a movie about, about this, this love story. What is he processing? What does this mean to him? All he knows is, I'm going to go out and get me one of those too. <laughs> That's all he knows. He, when he turns on the television, I'm going to get myself one of those also. Right? Not, not like it used to be when there was innocence uh, 70, 80, 100 years ago. So if he would see, if he would see, like, you know, my father said, like, what, what got the parents upset? He remembers... When he when he said to when he said to his my father told me he remembers when he said to his father that he wanted to get a soccer ball because he saw and this is how my father said he saw that the guy play a lot of soccer and and the, the boys in the cheder they they didn't even have a ball they used to kick around something they didn't have a ball and my father asked my grandfather to to get a soccer ball he said that he remembers how his father looked at him. It's like you. It's like you'd ask for an eagle azov. <laughs> so you're thinking, what's so bad about a ball? Nowadays, there's nothing wrong. But to my grandfather, I never met. But to my grandfather, it was like, what are you? What are you talking about? What's the matter with you? And I'm sure that they sat down, like my grandparents sat down and said, what are we doing? What's going on with him? What is he? Look what he. Look what he's interested in. Look where his. But but these were not emotionally complicated issues to want the soccer ball. He didn't get it. These are not. These are not uh, complicated. These are not like. But nowadays, so let's say so the kid watches. So the kid would be watching the fellows playing soccer, and he says, "I like that. I like a soccer ball." That's not so dangerous. But but the kid that watches the television show, he says, "I like that. I'd like to get one of those girls for myself." That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. I'm not talking about religiously. Religiously, it's a churban. I'm talking about emotionally. Emotionally. Do you know what kind of tsaris and agvas nefesh the children have from these in Yanam? Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea what they go through emotionally? They don't talk to their, usually they don't talk to their parents about this. It's, it's a funny thing in their lives. It's embarrassing. They don't talk to their parents. Sometimes if you if you have a very very open kind of a relationship with your kids, maybe they'll talk about it. Generally, they don't talk about it. The little couples in yeshiva, in an hour and a half, two hours from now, it all starts again, a new day. <laughs> the little couples in yeshiva. There are little couples in yeshiva. And, and 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 if it's if it's a co-ed school, anybody has a little say. You can walk in, and in five minutes, you know who's who belongs to who. So so, parents who are idiots think, isn't that cute? Like like a dog. Like a like a dog. Isn't that cute? Look how it's so cute. And they call it puppy love, right? Even by the guy. Isn't that cute? Anybody who has intelligence is thinking, I better move to Yushalayim. <laughs> I better get out. I'm leaving. That's not cute. <laughs> That's not cute. It's absolutely crazy. I'm not even talking about religiously. Emotionally. 
do you really think that, that, that this is a, a time in life where the child has the kaychas nefesh to process any of this? To deal with that? <coughs> he hates himself most of the time. You think he knows how to love someone else? So the Rebbe says, all these emotions nowadays, they think they're coming. The kids already feel like they want them. And they're looking for the, for the greatest excitement, the greatest emotional experiences in the world. That's why they, what, the kids are looking for a high. Why do they need to have a high? Why do they need to get high? Whatever it is. Whether it's to getting on alcohol, on drugs, whether it's on a girlfriend, whether it's on a show. Why do they need to get high? They need to have that kind of high. Well, our, our, our ancestors, like... I mean, it's a, it's the, we learned that in the, we learned that in Savas it's, it's the nature of a human being, and certainly of a Jew, to want his shrugshus and his spilas. But the need to get high was like when you go to the Rebbe by Hashanah Rabbah. That's unbelievable. You know, when you go to a tzaddik, right? When you when you see a, a good Rebbe Kivega. So he says, Lias Leish Atzma. He wants to be his own man. This fourteen-year-old is his own person. To become excited. From what? From the, from the illusionary beauty of the narishkeit, of the stupidities of this world. It thrills him. He's excited. He's enchanted by all of that. In the theaters, this is what thrills him. He looks at himself in yeshiva. They can't believe that this. They're torturing me in yeshiva. But when he passes by the theater, that's where it's that's where it's really fun. That's where it's happening. From all types of afkeris, wantonness, and so on. So we have to be very, very careful. The Rebbe says to do what? To give him. Something to be excited about. He's looking for an emotional charge. He's looking for a high. It's our job as parents, and this is what he was saying in Savazir's. It's our job as parents and as teachers to guide him to find excitement in in those things of life, in Yiddishkeit and, and family and so on, in those things in life that will make him into a greater Jew, into a greater person. That he should see a mitzvah as something which is exciting. He should see a mitzvah as something which is exciting. I remember when, when this, it's a very hard thing to preserve, but when my when my when my son was was very little, so she was once there were a couple of the guys we lived then in Farakway a couple of his little friends they were arguing over something they had they were playing and I went to see age. at his age it was Harmon Killebrew and Tony Oliva it was it was Mickey Mantle it was you know this was this was a, this is what we were yelling about this is what we were fighting about and <clears throat> and I saw that there were that there were the gedolim cards, and I have this tzaddik and that tzaddik, and they and 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 to read and to look at the back, and I was explaining that this is where the tzaddik comes from, and so on. There's a hispilus and hisrakshus over things over dvarim shepikdusha, over things of holiness, <clears throat> to make a siyum and a mishnayis. When's he, when's he when's he finishing the mishnayis as opposed to when does my Sports Illustrated subscription arrive? Or when am I making a siyum in my Sports Illustrated? Making a seam. I've been through every issue for the last year. I'm getting my friends together. We're making a seam together. 
we're going we're going to go skiing or something during during intercession the Christ was all this his that they're looking for sure they're looking for a high they're not getting it in Yiddishkeit so they've got to get it somewhere we spoke about this a lot in Savas years they have to get it somewhere <coughs> the question is where they're going to where they're going to look for it <coughs> where they're going to look for it if they're in the presence of a Rebbe who's, who's excited over his Yiddishkeit in the, if, they're in the, if they're in a home where there's excitement over Yiddishkeit then they learn that this is, a, this is something that could be exciting and this we spoke about at length, but if they live in a house where they see that when it comes to davening, the parents don't care much about davening, they have to sleep, but they don't go. When it comes to learning, even my father learns, it looks like he's being tortured. When the rabbi's talking, like my father looks like, like somebody's like giving him an injection. And then he comes home and he says, oh, the rabbi was to hear that today. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. He was tortured, just tortured. But then when he sees his parents, when it, comes to, when it comes to anything of this world, he sees that his parents are all thrilled and excited, and they're mamish into it. So then he learns very quickly what excitement is. Then on top of that, he's watching the television where the only thing they're excited about is, is Tumma. Anything of Kedusha is not exciting, it's boring. Everything of Tumma is exciting. So then what do you expect of him? Then you think that all of a sudden he's going to be excited over Tysus or something? His parents, his parents are not excited over, over, over the learning. His parents are not excited over the davening. He sees that the only time his mother, you know, the only time that the mother gets excited about something is when it has to do with the house. And the mother gets all excited, you know. There's a, a, a new piece of furniture, or there's a, a, a new dress. The mother's mamish, like, she's Mr. Agesha, she's, she's all excited. And the father, you know, whatever his Nairishkeit is, and he's all excited. So the child learns that this is, this is where his rakshas come. This is where I'm Mr. Agesh. But he doesn't see—he doesn't see any excitement. He doesn't see anything, any reason to become emotionally attached to a page of Gemara, or to be emotionally attached to a Siddur, because that's not part of his—that's not part of his experience. That's not part of his experience. So the Rebbe is saying, and that's what the Sefer is all about. This is just the introduction. The Rebbe is saying that, yeah, there's a lot to come. It's just the introduction. The Rebbe is saying that that it's going to be up to the parents to provide that type of a setting where, where, where a child, where a child is not only that he understands right from wrong, and that he and he understands that this is the information, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. Now you take this and you make your decisions, and you be mechanich yourself. But what about the what about the emotions? What about the excitement? If we don't hurry, because by nowadays by 11, 12, 13, they're already they're already looking for they're already looking for those highs. So he says, if we don't hurry to awaken the soul, that it should be excited by a mitzvah, to be mispoiled, to be enlivened by what? By Torah, by Or Hashem, then we haven't accomplished anything. Because even though he intellectually understands, he intellectually understands, that it's his responsibility to educate himself. He understands that intellectually. Nevertheless, his hargosis in his chukas, even though he knows right from wrong. Look, we mostly know what's right, we know what's wrong mostly, but his hargoshes, his emotions, and his chukas, and his longings, and his yearnings pull him into the wrong thing. Even though he knows that Torah is, he knows that Torah is more choshev than, uh, you know, Torah is more, Torah is more choshev than, than the girlfriend. He knows that. 
And he knows the Torah is more choshev than, than the ball game or whatever it is. He knows that. But it doesn't excite him. He just doesn't, it just doesn't do anything for him. That's what the kid is saying. I know that it's, I know, he knows that it's choshev. You think he doesn't know that, you think that he doesn't know that, 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 uh, that Rabbi Aaron Kotlin, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein are more choshev than, than Mickey Mantle. He knows that. But well, nowadays I don't know if I've heard of Mickey Mantle either. But he, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, he doesn't know that they're more choshev. He knows that they're more choshev. He knows that he'd rather have a child that would come out to be like a, like a, like a, a Rav Moshe, to come out like a tzad. He knows that that's choshev. But, he, but the, the kids, you know, but it doesn't do anything for me. I just don't, I don't get anything from that. It doesn't excite me. It's not, it's not Moira me at all. Yeah, it's not harder today because in the old times, it's, he, the kid has to go out from the house. He has to go to, to see the theater. He has to have to He has to go outside. The home was, was okay and the home was confined. Oh, of course. That's, uh, now this is different. That's what now I'm talking about. Being the, the stoos inside. So. That's what I'm talking about the whole time. Of course it's much harder for the child. It's, it's, it's much, a, a kid leaves. The kid, the kid goes, goes to yeshiva all day, and he feels, I another another Rashi, another Tosis. They're killing me. They're killing me. And then when he gets, then he walks into the house. Then he walks. Then he walks into the into the house, and he and he he, he, he uh, has something to eat, and he walks into the room, and he presses the remote control. Dun, da, da, da. That's Machaya. Now he now he goes off. How he goes off? How he you know, goes to Never Neverland? So you understand the chilik, an unbelievable chilik. What's the question? It used to be that, to a large extent, even the street in the old days was unexciting. You know, like like the way my father talks about chazanis is like, you know, when they were kids, this is what they were into chazanis. Can you imagine? <laughs> they were into chazanis. Not that I'm saying anything against chazanis. Publicly, <laughs> but they were, but they were, they were into, they were into chazanas. Like my father's greatest thrill was like, you know, a, a good chazan. My father, said, that's what the kids used to, that's what they used to talk about. Did you hear? You know, to, it wasn't a good belt It was a good belt. That's what they. My father, you talk to an old Jew, and they'll tell you this was an Indian. Like this was, and they used to talk about them. You know, oh, my father never heard, heard in Europe. He never heard Moshe Kusevitz. He heard Yosla Rosenblatt. They knew Yosla Rosenblatt. They knew of because Yosla Rosenblatt also went to Europe, and they knew Yosla Rosenblatt. But this was like, <clears throat> my father. My father remembers when Yosla Rosenblatt came to Hungary, and that all the kids like like Lahav's like to a movie star nowadays. Yosla Rosenblatt. When you say to this day, you say Yosla Rosenblatt. My father's like it was like a star. Yosla Rosenblatt. And who was Yosla? He was a Jew with a long beard. He was an Elohim. Yosla Rosenblatt was it Sadik? He did Sadik. But this is this is like this was they got excited by what? Oh, did you hear that Nisan Taikif today? <laughs> wow, that was something. That was a Nisan Taikif. <laughs> That's what they got excited about. And, and a page of Gemara. They got excited about it. This was this was the chiyas. This was the chiyas. Or in a negative way, they were tumult about you know that that the other guys the other guys reb is is not really a tzaddik. You know, what I mean? they were tumulting. They were tumulting. I used to have this argument with my chassidic cousins that they used to when I would when I would go to them I would, I would talk to them they were saying crazy things about other tzaddikim. When we were little kids, they would say, "Ah, this rabbi, this rabbi." Only their rabbi was. So I said, "How are you? How are you? What are you doing? You don't, 
you don't believe in the, there's a, 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 an issue of Lashon Haru, are you saying Lashon Haru? Not only about a regular Jew, you're saying about Sadiq. So they said, no, no, you're allowed to say Lashon Haru about other rabbis. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I said, what do you, what do you mean? Because that's part of how you love, you have, your love for your rabbi, that's part of your love for your rabbis, that you have to put down all the other rabbis. <laughs> but this is what they're tumulting about, you understand? The kids nowadays, they couldn't care less about, about this Rebbe or that Rebbe. It's some nice old gentleman. They wouldn't, they wouldn't like, you know, they wouldn't knock him over in the street. But that's about it, you know, you know, or they, you know, help him carry a big or something. But as far as, as tumult thing, what is he? He tumults over whether, you know, whether bells or satma laba, which was an afkuminit. They're all okay because I don't care about any of them. What's an afkuminit to me? Then they, they don't get it. But tumulting over chazonim, the kids were tumulting over Chazanim. It's hard for us to believe. My father told me, this is what they were fighting it. They were yelling at each other, you hold it. He, he's a good Chazanim. This is a Chazanim. But if you think about it, it's, it's, um, it's unbelievable. There wasn't much else going on in the streets those days. Because even in the non-Jewish world, there was some degree of tzniyas. There was a certain degree of, uh, of concealment and of modesty that nowadays is total hefka. Total hefka. And there were certain places that they, that they knew that were so totally off limits that a Jew simply couldn't go to that. It wasn't shy for a Jew to go. But nowadays, especially nowadays that there's an internet, is there any place that a child can't go? And no one has to even see him. There's, he can go anywhere he wants. And he doesn't have to even be embarrassed. Because no one sees him. Because mommy and daddy are sleeping. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. He just, he just puts in his, his uh, password and he presses uh, the latest uh, website that he heard about from his, from his little, his little uh, friend in school and he's there. He's, he's gone. And he has a hysteroxious. Oh, he's excited. And then comes 8 o'clock in the morning, it's time for davening, time for yeshiva. It's, it's, it's got to be the biggest downer in the world after a night by the internet. The Rebbe doesn't stand a chance. That's what the Rebbe's are up against. You know that. The Rebbe does not stand a chance. Because the, the best Rebbe in the world cannot compete with a pretty girl on the television and with a pretty girl on the internet. The best Taisvis can't compete with the stuff that they're talking about in the chat room, the boys and girls. The best Rebbe can't compete with that. And, and, that's, and that's not a question of something intellectually. The kid understands that Tara is more chashif. If you'd ask the kid, he'd say, of course, I know that Rashi is, uh, and I know that it's important. But, you know... But Rashi, you know, this doesn't do it for me. I don't get excited by Rashi. But when I, but when my parents are sleeping and I go off into my, I go off into, my, on, on, into that magical world of the internet, then I get excited. That makes me feel good. And then, and then when he gets a little bit older, then it's not enough that it stays as just some sort of an image on the computer on the screen. Then he wants to have a live one. And he goes looking for, he goes looking for, for excitement to, in the wrong places. So the Rebbe says, therefore, nowadays, it's not just a question of, of, of reaching the mind of the children, but to reach their souls when they're still young. That's why he's going to explain that nowadays you have to learn with them chesidus and avayda from the, very, from the earliest age. It has to be with our bread, with the hislavist, the avayda says Hashem. Let's just finish this paragraph. His emotions and his, and his that could all pull him away from the proper path. And it can get him involved in a life that he himself knows is ra. He knows it's evil. He knows it's wrong. The kids know that it's wrong. But what can he do? He can't stop himself. 
Most of the sinners know, and certainly in the beginning, they know that what they're doing is wrong. They know, they know intellectually that it's wrong. Their excitement and their tivus is too strong for them to handle. And it throws them into the Be'er into the bottomless pit of their tivus. Therefore, the Rebbe is going to go on to explain is that, is that it's not enough to reach out to the mind of the children. But to reach out to the souls of the Neshamas, and therefore we have to begin from the earliest age to make Yiddishkeit something which is exciting and appealing, so that they'll be able to at least compete and to contend with the the excitement of the world that surrounds them. Which I will continue next week.